Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Ars Technica is a really cool site, and Nicholas sent me a note and said, Steve, check out the story Ars Technica did. The Church of Bleach family, guilty on all counts, and plan to appeal. And Beth Mole wrote this. And now, the underlying trial itself might be interesting, but the question is, if you do something unusual at your own trial, can you appeal based on that? Or, or would you have to appeal based on something else? And that's really what I find interesting here. So the family represented themselves at trial, but did not speak. Did not speak. Just sat there and did not speak during the entire trial. And so the question then is, would that be grounds for an appeal? <laughs> A Florida father and his three adult sons have been found guilty on all counts after claiming that an industrial strength bleaching agent which the feds say is toxic, but they were selling as a miracle solution through a church. They said it cured all kinds of serious illnesses, and they were selling it. And the government said, you guys got to stop selling that stuff and making promises about it that aren't true, because we consider it dangerous for you to do that. And they said, no, 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 we're just going to keep selling it, apparently. So they were nicknamed the Church of Bleach, and uh, they went to trial and represented themselves in court but uh, just the other day, a Miami jury took just 30 minutes to return guilty verdicts for the family, according to the Miami Herald. And the trial only took a couple days, uh, maybe three. The 12-person jury found the man and his sons, who were all adults, guilty of conspiring to defraud the United States by distributing an unapproved and misbranded drug. The drug in question was what they called the Miracle Mineral Solution, which turned out to be chlorine dioxide, an industrial bleaching agent used for bleaching paper products. Now, these convictions do carry up to five years in prison. Additionally, two of them were found guilty on two counts of criminal contempt for violating federal court orders to stop selling this stuff a few years ago. Now, here's the thing. That conviction could carry a maximum of life in prison, but some of those contempt charges were dropped, and I'll explain that in a second. But the point is that at one point, a judge told them, stop selling this stuff. Here is an order. Stop selling it. And they kept doing it. So at that point, it's not just that they're selling the stuff illegally. It's that they're selling the stuff despite a court order telling them to stop. So two of the people uh, fled to Columbia in 2020 after the charges were filed. And according to the Miami Herald, the charges were dropped in 2022 as part of an extradition deal where they basically said, we're not coming back to the U.S. unless you drop some of these charges. So apparently they worked out some kind of a deal so that they would still be tried on the conspiracy to defraud, but not on the others. During the trial, federal prosecutors described the family as con men and snake oil salesmen who tried to skirt federal laws by selling their dangerous MMS product through a non-religious church called the Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing out of Florida. They called themselves bishops and sold MMS as a sacrament in exchange for a donation to the church. All the while, the family claimed their toxic solution could treat a variety of serious conditions, according to the indictment. In 2019, the FDA warned the public about MMS saying that it had received reports of people suffering life-threatening medical conditions after drinking the liquid. 
In 2020, the agency finally got court orders to force them to stop selling it, though the family is alleged to have ignored those orders prior to them being arrested. Prosecutors claim the family made more than a million dollars selling the stuff, tens of thousands of bottles, which they began apparently back in 2010. In closing arguments the week's trial, the federal prosecutor argued to the jury that you cannot go out and create a fake church and violate the law. Uh, likewise, the U.S. District Judge told jurors Wednesday that the family could not use the First Amendment, specifically religious freedom, as a defense for selling MMS because their church was not an actual religious entity. And now some people are going to say, but Steve, how do you figure that out? Because I've, I've talked about this before. If I start a church and say, I'm a church, I, I, I have a religion, I worship something that's just different than what you worship. Next thing you know, you've got the church, the flying spaghetti monster. Well, who's to say that's not a real religion? Who's, who's to say? Well, here's part of the problem. Um, the website run by these people called the organization a non-religious church. <laughs> so if it's not religious and it's not a church in that sense, and they're calling it a non-religious church, so it's like dehydrated water. Uh, it was formed for the purpose of serving mankind and not for the purpose of worship. And I think that most people would recognize that a non-religious church, besides being a, uh, an odd phrase, um, probably would not allow you to claim your exercise of religious liberty when it's non-religious. Okay? So the family represented themselves at the trial, but did not speak at all during the proceedings. Seemingly, they were doing that as a form of protest, but they didn't say. And, and I'll give them credit for that, because a lot of people will, and I've seen this on YouTube a lot, say that they want to invoke their right to remain silent, and they keep talking about it. They keep talking about it. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you understand. You're not silent when you keep talking about it. So if you really want to protest the proceedings against you by not participating in them, by not speaking, you don't speak. And so apparently they'd show up in court, and when asked questions, they would just sit there and not say anything. And they didn't have attorneys. The attorneys didn't speak because there aren't attorneys for them to speak. So there you go. So it was only after the verdict was read did one of them speak who said four words, we will be appealing. Now the question is, what's the basis of the appeal? The sentencing is going to be scheduled for October 6th, and, and some people are going to wonder, do they have the basis for an appeal because they obviously had incompetent counsel? <laughs> the old joke about an attorney who represents himself. Well, anybody who represents themselves can make that same joke. But of course, self-inflicted injuries are not the basis of an appeal. And, and so I can think of a lot of examples where people did something at trial. And so, for instance, uh, one of the most famous examples of a disruptive trial, if you ever read Helter Skelter about the uh, Manson case, uh, the defendants in that case were very, very disruptive, doing things like literally trying to attack the judge physically while the judge was on the bench and screaming and yelling and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and obviously, if you had a trial that was disrupted repeatedly, you might be able to file an appeal, unless you did it yourself. And obviously, they cannot allow you to disrupt your own trial and then say, hey, my trial was disrupted. That wasn't fair. <laughs> so if you go to trial 
and choose to sit there like a bump on a log, as they say, and not participate? Well, what objections do you have? And if any of them were caused by your lack of participation, the courts on appeal are going to say, whose fault is that? And generally speaking, you cannot complain of things that you did to yourself in court. The other thing is that if the prosecution made any mistakes or brought in objectionable evidence, it is up to the other side to object. Now, I had somebody post a comment under a video recently and ask a question on this same topic. I did not respond there, but I'll respond here. Somebody said, Steve, what if your attorney's not paying attention or you miss it and something gets in that's objectionable? Why is it the job of the other side? Couldn't the judge spot it? And believe it or not, judges do occasionally spot things that are objectionable. I've actually seen it before where a judge has stopped an attorney and said, counselor, you know that's objectionable. I've seen that, okay? But number two, I've seen cases where on appeal, a court has said, Something got in, and the other side didn't object. Normally, they need to object to allow the court at that moment in time to correct something that could be corrected then. However, once in a while, it's possible something still gets in that either wasn't objected to, or, of course, the objection was made, but the judge overruled it. And the result was something that was unfair. And the question is, is what happened so unfair that the person deserves a new trial? Simply making a mistake and letting something in that's objectionable is not going to necessarily overturn the trial because it might not have been that impactful on the outcome of the case. So I don't know enough about this case to know whether or not anything was brought in by the prosecution that should have been objected to but wasn't because the other side wasn't talking. And so they're going to have a very, very difficult slog ahead of them, as I like to say, convincing a court on appeal that we basically didn't participate in our own defense, but now on appeal, we want this court to overturn the conviction. However, if they want it overturned on grounds that had nothing to do with the trial, which is possible, they could say, we're a church. They could take that church argument and say, we're a church. They have no right to prosecute us as a church. And if a court on appeal says, you know something, you guys are a church, a court could still do that. Because that wouldn't have made a difference at the lower court, except if the lower court had said, I buy your argument and we're not going to prosecute you. So that's possibly what they could be going on. I don't know what the odds of that succeeding. Because like I said, the fact that the website said this is a non-religious church, that, if true, would make it seem that they're not the kind of church that gets them that First Amendment protection. So there you go, from Ars Technica, Beth Mole wrote it. Nicholas sent it. Thanks a lot. Church of Bleach family guilty on all counts. Plans to appeal. However, representing themselves at trial, they did not speak at all during the trial. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Where do forest rangers go to get away from it all?